0: Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city.
1: This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 a.m. The Word. My special guest today is Bill Salas. He's the uh, a best-selling author, a researcher, conference speaker, and he's with prophecydepot.com. Bill, thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City.
2: Chuck, it's great to be on your program. Thank you.
1: Well, you and I just met about 10 minutes ago, and I was reading your bio, and I thought, I want to interview this
2: guy. <laughs> well, yes, and I'm honored to be on the program. Well,
1: thank you. Well, one of the things that caught my eye is you've done some some work with Jan Markell, who's one of our, our programmers on KGNW, and so uh, you've experienced her ministry.
2: Yeah, it's always a treat to be on her program. She covers all these diversified topics, and and of course, we my specialty is the prophecy, Bible prophecy. So, but she'll have me on with someone like Brigitte Gabriel, a Fox News correspondent, or Michelle Bachmann, or something like that. So, it's a treat to be on her program.
1: Right. Well, I like to always go back because the the, the heart of this ministry, heart, heart of the uh, heart of the city, is to learn about how people came to faith, and then out of that uh, experience, how they came to do what they do uh, in their life and ministry. So let's go back. I since you and I have just met, uh, uh, where where were you born? Where what's your experience as a
2: young man? Well, I was born in Long Beach, California, and I lived in Anaheim, California. Uh huh. Anaheim is infamous for Disneyland. Right. right? And it used to be much Orange Groves when I was younger, but now it's part of Orange County. It's a big city. And then I got married to my wife in 1974. We'll be celebrating our uh, 44th anniversary this August. And we've got three adult children and three grandchildren. And uh, so that's my greatest notes on my resume, mm-hmm. on my yeah. bio. I greatly appreciate my wife for hanging in there because when you hear my testimony, you're gonna wonder why she did
1: <laughs> well but what is your testimony what was life like back for you teenager growing up and uh, what was your spiritual formation
2: well I was bad I was just a hippie um, did bad things drugs things like that I well California
1: really... in the in the late 60s early 70s I get it right there was there's a lot of opportunities
2: yeah and uh, you know my parents were not they were wonderful parents, although I came from a split household. And uh, my they, I went to some of the Sunday schools because the bus would come pick us up and I'd learn about Noah or you know Daniel. But that was not really, uh, I would say, a Christian household per se. It certainly didn't stick with me. And uh, so I was a, pretty much an agnostic. Um, and I was a piano player. I worked really hard to be a very good piano player. When we got wor- married, my wife and I went to the Hawaiian Islands. We lived on the island of Kauai. And I played piano there uh, with bands and stuff for the hotels, and was very prolific, would, would work hard every morning, uh, practice for two or three hours to be proficient. And then over time, and became successful there, uh, I got a finger disease, and it became incurable. We saw doctors, I saw many doctors, became very disenfranchised with you know medicine. They said, well, listen, we can give you these pills, but it won't necessarily go away, we'll just try to bring some relief. And I got very concerned. I didn't want to keep taking pills. I was pretty, you know, healthy at the time, out in the water all the time, surfing and things like that, in the Hawaiian Islands. So um, we, I started getting into holistic healing. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the guitar players was into yoga, and so I got into vegetarianism. I became a string bean. I was about 140 pounds, and you know. uh, and then I broke out in boils all over my body. And things were really bad, going from worse to worse. My, I would play piano with three bloody fingers on each hand. You know, My keys would be stained with blood. And it was all I knew how to do. So I got into uh, that aspect of uh, you know, holistic healing. And then I got, that led into yoga, into being a yogi. I started studying Hinduism. I became what's called a Kriya yogi and uh, learned how to do meditation and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was really a bad situation. Of course, they believe in reincarnation and all of the false gods. You know, there's almost a different God for every day on the calendar. And then ultimately, I w- went from there to a worse situation. I got involved in a cult by a guy who claimed to be Jesus Christ. And, of course, I didn't know any better. He did uh, manipulating things that looked like miracles. And sucked quite a few of us into this cult in the Hawaiian Islands. And
1: uh, what year was this?
2: Uh, this was around 1980. Mm-hmm. and I was born in 1953. And so uh, we got really it was a bad, bad situation. All the things you'd hear about a cult, you know, were go, you know capable in this situation. Mm-hmm. And my wife got dragged into it, and she was kind of coerced because he would threaten our children. Mm-hmm. We had two children at the time. And uh, she was molested, and she was treated very poorly and i didn't know that, but I was so brainwashed I'll be honest with you, I'm not certain I would have I would have known what to do I mean you know that's how bad it was
1: what attracted you to the cult?
2: Um, well, I was very vulnerable due to spirituality because of my healing crisis, mm-hmm. which at that point was go- has gone away. you know the boils were gone, and the finger I was playing music again mm-hmm. and uh so I was just vulnerable, and if you don't know Jesus Christ you are vulnerable the spirituality in a crisis is a very vulnerable position for somebody you will you're easily manipulated and uh because your heart's
1: because your heart's open right i mean y- there's this openness yet but without
2: the truth yeah you're looking for answers at that mm-hmm. point and remedy to your predicament mm-hmm. and uh that's why it's very important to understand christianity of course as you know i'm a christian now you, you know once you understand jesus who he really is the gospels and things like that now you you wouldn't be a victim an easy victim to fall prey to something like that i wish i would have known what i know now back then but it dragged my wife and my two children i've had another child since then Mm -hmm. uh, through a terrible situation and then ultimately the cult leader got exposed and I came back to from Hawaii to the mainland to California with my wife. She stuck with me. Our two children, we tried to recover, but I went immediately into denial. I did not want to talk about it. I didn't want to have anything to do with anything called God. So I finished my uh, business degree, and uh, we moved to Big Bear Lake, California, which is a ski resort community a couple hours east of Los Angeles, and we opened a mortgage company. And we did very successfully. It was a great time. America was refinancing itself. Home sales were great. Uh, this was around 1988. Mm-hmm. And uh, we opened three different companies. You know, we spread throughout the whole mountains. We were the biggest mortgage company. We became a very successful businessman at that point. And uh, still not talking to my wife about what she'd been through, not interested in anything called God. And we, our office, one of our offices where I was spending most of my time was sharing, joining walls with the Calvary Chapel. It was in a retail center, strip center. And I got to know the pastor. It was about my age. And he invited me to start playing on the men's softball team, which I love to play baseball. So right. I went out and played softball with them. And after a while, I started realizing, well, these guys aren't as... Whacked as I thought, or as crazy as I thought. They're normal guys, you know, because you have the stigma about Christianity. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, who are these people, right? Right. I don't want to become one. I've got to change my life, you know, this sort of thing. And so I became friends with these guys. And then the pastor came up to me and said, you know, we've got a gentleman up here named Chuck Missler, who's a Bible prophecy teacher, very well known in Bible prophecy circles. And Chuck Missler lived in Big Bear Lake at the time. And he said, he's going to be teaching on Monday nights on the book of Revelation. And you're a very analytical mind. Bill, why don't you come in and listen to him? Mm-hmm. So I did. I closed my shop at 5 o'clock, walked across right next door and sat in the same chair for weeks. And I heard Chuck Missler start to go through the book of Revelation. And I started to realize, wow, there's a God, and this God knows the end from the beginning. And that caught my attention. Mm. I thought, Wow. Uh, this is the God I've been searching for. And I, I tested it. I mean, I would check the historical facts about the Babylonian captivity and the types of prophecies that had found fulfillment, uh, then realizing, well, the, the other ones will find fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, when I get into something, Chuck, I get obsessed. I, every morning before I go to work, I would get up about 4 in the morning and study the Bible for two or three hours. And I go to work. And then my interest got uh, more and more into Bible prophecy. Now, so I, And ultimately, I went to the church and got saved uh, through this Pastor Mike Fulmer at Calvary Chapel. And that was around 1990, 1991 is that time frame. Mm-hmm. They had a huge earthquake in Big Bear Lake. And uh, Chuck Missler moved to uh, Idaho. Mm-hmm. Now he's in New Zealand. And uh, I panicked because I went, oh, no, what am I going to do? I, so I bought every one of his tapes and listened to him until I was blue in the face and started studying other guys and uh so but then when 911 happened i started really turning my attention a lot toward bible prophecy trying to figure out well, what what is that about you know that terrorism is the ugly byproduct of the arab israeli conflict of which the bible has a lot to say about and 911 caught the church off guard it caught the world off guard and so i was trying to figure out well is there anything to understand here and I really started getting into the Arab-Israeli conflict as in Psalm 83, which talks about this confederacy that wants to destroy the state of Israel and banish the name forever. And mm-hmm. I figured out who they were. And it turns out they're uh, inner circle countries around Israel today, including the terrorist groups of Hezbollah and Palestinians. And so I started writing studies, sharing these studies because it was vastly overlooked, this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people were focusing on this prophecy called Ezekiel thirty-eight, this Gog of Magog invasion, which is a big deal. Right. Russia coming together with Iran and Turkey and um, nine members in this coalition are going to invade Israel. And it says in the latter days, and and I was interested in that prophecy, but I I thought, well, no, there's something else going on here that people are not catching. So I started sharing my notes with pastors and scholars, and they kept saying, "Well, keep writing, keep writing. This is interesting." And so I did because mm-hmm. I thought I was you know I was out in right field. How could I how come these guys didn't catch this stuff? Right. I mean, so ultimately, I uh, wrote a book in 2008. I felt the Lord wanted me to write a book, which you know, when I got saved being a musician and a businessman, I said, well, I'll help you, Lord. I'll serve you. I mean, what an honor to be in ministry. I'll do music. So I played on the worship team for a while. Mm-hmm. I'll do business administration for a church, whatever. I had no idea I would be a writer. I don't have a journalism degree or anything like that. Right. So one of the lessons we'll stop right now and tell your audience is, God gives us talents. He gives us gifts. And, you know, a good parent will always try to f- see, what well, what is the aptitude of my child? I want to develop it. Oh, he's a good piano player. I'll start working on music with him or whatever. But we have gifts God gave us that only he really knows what those gifts are. Mm-hmm. And they may be entirely different than what you think. But when you yield to him, he will bring it out. Mm-hmm. And so he's got me now. I've written six books. I'm on the world stage. I travel internationally to... Radio, TV, I've been on, you know, TBN, CNN, CBN, you know, mm-hmm. all those sort of things. So, um, and it's, I just write books about Bible prophecy at this point and there's no shortage of things to talk about. And so that book, uh, was passed out to guys like Hal Lindsey and Chuck Missler and these guys. And they said, wow, you know, you need to. Write more. You need to be on our radio shows and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so one thing led to another. um, Upgraded that book. That book was called Israelistine: the Ancient Blueprints of the Future Middle East. I upgraded it, uh, answered all the objections people had, like, well, how how can that psalm be a prophecy? How do we know that didn't already find fulfillment? How come that can't be part of Armageddon or part of Ezekiel 38? So I I tried to address all those uh, objections, took them seriously. Never want to stand before the Lord saying, have him say to you, well done, good and faithful servant, but right. you really messed up on that Psalm 83 book, mm-hmm. right, or something like that. So I took those things to heart, and I looked at them, and it, it just solidified my thinking and teaching in, in that area. And then, since that time, I've written, like I said, some more books and got DVDs that go with it. And uh, at this point, I my goal in Prophecy Depot Ministries is to take the complex information— of bible prophecy which is about a third of the bible and try to simplify it so that the common man woman or child could understand it because bible prophecy is not just for the scholarly but for every man woman and child god wants people to know and it's like i said it's about a third of the bible That's how important it is to god he wants people to know what's coming and he wanted to know to know there was a flood coming he wanted joseph to know there were seven years of famine coming He wanted Jeremiah to know that the Southern Kingdom was going to go into seven years of captivity. And there are certain things that he wants us to know right now. and That's what I'm busy about.
1: Well, you're listening to Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmsted, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM, The Word. And our guest today is Bill Salas. He's with Prophecy Depot Ministries. Bill, I want to step back for a second. And as you were talking about your wife and your marriage and uh, the hurt that she had experienced during the cult times, how did the Lord work in that situation in your lives? Well,
2: my wife was a true believer in Jesus Christ in the midst of all that she you would not really have necessarily known it and mm-hmm. she wasn't really raised in a christian household but she grew strong in the lord i mean she what survived her was her faith in jesus christ mm. and when we came back and i was in denial we didn't want to talk about it you know our relationship was rocky you know we were working toward the end of raising our family she's very committed i mean when she says her vows to death do his part she she means it right i'm so blessed to have that that wife and uh so we came back and we were hitting the skids. And at one point she was going to leave and she was, look at Lord. I mean, I can't take it anymore. You know, uh-huh. this guy doesn't get it, doesn't know who you are and doesn't communicate with me. And mm-hmm. we have a normal kind of growing relationship in you. Then I'm out. Mm-hmm. And the very day she was ready to leave was the very day I got saved. Wow. And I didn't know she was having those prayers. Mm-hmm. I had, didn't know it was being in denial. I didn't realize how critically bad it was in the relationship. You know, being a foolish man, um, but she is just very special, and uh, so that's how that went.
1: I think all of us, because you and I, uh, we both got married in 1974, so it's, it'll be 44 years for us in July. It's learning how to hear the heart of your wife and and really listen and be sensitive to her, isn't it? That's that's so so critical to a. a
2: yeah, you know, um, sometimes when I'm teaching about the ancient Arab hatred of the Jewish people, I go way back to the time of the patriarchs and matriarchs. And, of course, there was a time when Sarah had a barren womb, and mm-hmm. Abraham, uh, he, it, was, it was okay. It wasn't against the, their law at the time, or it wasn't immoral to take a concubine and get her impregnated, which was Hagar. Mm-hmm. And, and then the child would come out and be given to Sarah, in that case, you know, the, the wife. And when Hagar got jealous and uh, wanted to have her son be the child of promise, instead of Isaac, ultimately it was Isaac, uh, Sarah got angry and said, "Cast this bond woman out." And the Lord said to Abraham, he said, "And I, I often joke around and say, "This is my wife's favorite verse." He says, "Listen to Sarah. <laughs> Listen to what you." In other words, the Lord spoke through her mm-hmm. to, to express his intent and i think men need to realize you know mm-hmm. that the lord is going to communicate with us in the ways that he chooses and in many cases that's through our wives
1: exactly so it's very 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 true well let's talk about prophecy for a minute uh, you don't know my background but i grew up in a in a a foursquare church from illinois and the pastor that uh, that uh, was my pastor and whom i'm actually named after charles was his first name and my name's charles was uh, under the ministry of Sister Amy Simple McPherson, McPherson, you know, the founder of Foursquare. And Dr. Hollis was very strong on Bible prophecy, on end times, on the rapture, on, on Ezekiel and, and uh, the book of Revelation. And our Sunday evening services growing up was all about Bible prophecy and uh, the return of Jesus Christ. So let's talk about the return of Jesus. You don't hear that hardly at all anymore. You know, and it used to be, you know, the bumper stickers and everything and talking about rapture. Mm -hmm. What's happened within the teaching of the church regarding that issue?
2: Well, you know, I personally think that the pre-trib rapture is the reality. I think the evidence is in the favor that Jesus is going to, there's an imminent, it's a signless event. There's nothing standing in, in the way of that happening. We don't need some... Prophecy to find fulfillment prior. The only thing standing in the way of that is for the heavenly Father to say to His Son, "Go get your bride, go Mm -hmm. fetch your bride." And Mm -hmm. and when, and I believe Jesus is yearning to do that. Uh, He's been preparing places for his bride. We're told in John 14 uh, for two thousand years now, right? And um, so, but the minute he hears "Go fetch your bride," he's going to come, and there won't be a split second because it happens in the twinkling of an eye uh, that we are united with him to be with him together forever. But uh, throughout, you know, Hal Lindsey came out pretty strong in the 70s with his late Great Planet Earth book, got a lot of people excited about Bible prophecy. But, you know, the rapture didn't happen, you know. Well, Paul was looking for the rapture 2,000 years ago. We're 2,000 years closer than when Paul was, and now we're 40 years closer or 50 years closer than when Hal Lindsey was. But it doesn't change the fact that when the Heavenly Father says, go get your bride, that'll, Christ will come. But... You know, in the interim period, we've got different theories now of the timing of the rapture. Uh, some people just flat out ignore the potential for a rapture, where it's pretty clear in the Bible that you know Jesus is going to come in the clouds in the twinkling of an eye with shout of a the sound of a trumpet, the shout of an archangel. The dead in Christ will rise first, will be caught up in the air to be together with the Lord forever. Um, that's in one Thessalonians chapter four. with More information in one Corinthians fifteen that says Paul tells us a mystery that uh, we shall not all sleep, meaning die in, as believers, but a whole generation says well, we shall all be changed in the twinkling of an eye. So more details about the rapture is when we get our new bodies. Mm-hmm. But these things are abundantly clear. So some people think, well, this happens in the middle of the tribulation, you know, the seven-year tribulation period. Uh, pre-trib raptures believe it happens before the tribulation period. Then there's the post-tribbers who believe it happens. At the end, it's sort of a... A bungee cord jump. That Christ comes down and gets us, bungee cords us back up. We have a sack lunch for the wedding supper. And then, <laughs> then we come back to, you know, co reign with him. Right. And then there's the pan-trib theory, which is they don't worry about it at all. just going to pan it'll, out. It'll all pan out. Right. And I just tell people, you know, I'm pre-trib rapture believer. I'm so pre-trib. I don't buy post-toasties. I don't buy green bananas. And when the event happens, we'll just explain it to all the post-tribbers on the way up. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: exactly.
2: So, what should that what should that mean for
1: the for our listeners when we talk about the rapture? What does the Lord want us to do with that information or with with that with that mindset that Jesus could come at any
2: time? Well, Chuck, and, and the reality is even more so than ever before because we're seeing so many end times biblical prophecies start to align. The stage is really set for all the prophecies to start finding fulfillment soon and sequentially, which means. Jesus is going to come get us, and and we could experience some biblical prophecies. We won't necessarily experience the wrath of God that comes out in the tribulation period, but there are some prophecies that could happen. I call them now prophecies at the present time. Arab-Israeli conflict in Psalm 83, destruction of Damascus in Isaiah 17, and there's many of them. Um, So as we see, it's kind of the example is used like when, when you go to the mall and you see the Christmas decorations going on. You know that Thanksgiving is just around the corner. Mm-hmm. So when we start to see all these signs developing at the end times, it says, "Hey, we're moving towards the second coming of Christ. He's coming real soon to touch down on the earth and to judge, you know, destroy the antichrist and judge Christ, rejecting humanity in the second coming." What about the rapture? When's he going to get us out of here before? So it'd be like Christmas is his second coming, and Thanksgiving is the rapture, getting us out. So mm-hmm. we see the signs. The, the 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 mall's all decorated for Christmas. Uh, So Thanksgiving must be near, and that means we should be called to godly living, uh, holy living, and evangelism uh, to redeem the time. Because once we're gone, we're not effective to the ones we love, the lost man, especially our family members. And all of your listeners have that person in their life, be it their spouse or their child or their Family member, friend, or neighbor, or someone in their workplace or sphere of influence that they know does not know the Lord yet, mm-hmm. and w- one of the things we put forward at Prophecy Depot is, well, what happens after the Rapture? Because it's bad, Chuck. Yeah. I mean, th- bad things happen. Um, you know, a lot of death and persecution of martyred believers and things like that. So, uh, and plus the choice to choose Christ then when there's supernatural deception. It's not a popular choice, and it's a costly choice because you hear about most everybody's being martyred for their faith after that period of time, yeah. in that period of time. So we're trying to let people know, don't take that chance. Amen. Accept the Lord right now. Yeah.
1: If uh, someone wants to reach out to you or to get more information about uh, your ministry, how do they do that?
2: Well, they might have to find me in the clouds. If the rapture happens, oh, there, there you, it says, you
0: go. Well, yeah. how about right now? Oh, oh. oh if we're not raptured <laughs> <Yeah>. yet, <laughs> yeah. okay. Exactly.
2: Well, they can go to my website, which is prophecy dot uh-huh. Prophecy Depot, like Home Depot, we've got a free newsletter that we pass out. We've got a, every daily news blog. We put all the training links going on from a perspective. Media shows on modern things like that. So, prophecy
0: dot
1: Okay. Well, Bill, I want to thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. I appreciate the. Uh, uh, your story and I also appreciate the good word
0: that you just uh, shared with us so thanks for joining us Thanks today. Chuck. Appreciate that. You've been listening to this 820 AM The Word special heart of the city. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM The Word, call Chuck Olmstead 206-269-6216 or go to thewordseattle.com